are about to fall off. Hello? Is anyone there? I'm just a wizard's apprentice seeking shelter, please. Can you help me? Zymer's little child. <laughs> what know you of a magic boy? <laughs> All but nothing, sir. I only seek shelter from the cold. Just for a moment. Then <laughs> come in. Come in. <laughs> your sinister laughter and your appearance will not work on me, hermit. I am the student of Zymer the Ancient. I may be a neophyte in my ways, but my youth also gives me strength. I've read the Masters, and in reading... I am somewhat competent. Thank you. Your fire is quite warm. Yes, yes, warm your bowl, your your meat. I, I you warm, warm yourself <laughs> here by the fire, boy. <laughs> back, back, ghoul. I'm not here to fall into some petty trap or be part of your pie. I'll be gone in moments, and you'll be lonely and frozen again in your hideous existence, preying on travelers, preying on the weak. Have you no conscience, fiend? <laughs> A conscience I have plenty, boy, but thirst and hunger also. And nothing will slake me more than to see you rise. <laughs> Greetings, programs. My name is Ingrid Bernal, your host here on the Rune Hammer Podcast. What was the name of it? Oh, yeah, RPG Mainframe. It used to have clever intros where RPG Mainframe was integrated into the intro. Man, those were the days. But now we face a new, darker narrative. They say that all good stories end where they begin. And that is the theme of RPG Mainframe number 70. That's right, the 70th episode of the podcast that was made to last. Thank you for tuning in, you guys. Thanks, everyone, for your support. Let's get comfy because we're going to take a journey, as they say, as Steve D. used to say, a journey back into time, 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 time. Recently, a lot of you have been sending me and transmitting me and implying to me a bunch of heavy-duty existential questions about where I am in life relative to this 
strange, unexpected directional shift towards so-called wargaming. If you could see me doing air quotes right now, I'm, I'm doing them. With all seven of my limbs, I'm doing air quotes. It's like I'm really air quote. I'm a quote bender. <laughs> Good God, that's dumb. Anyway, I'm doing air quotes around the term wargaming because I'm starting to see that the entire construct is quite artificial. And you, well, you, in the sort of uh, grand sense, the wide sense, have been wondering. You guys, a lot of you, have been wondering what's going on here. What is this change? What does it mean? Where did it come from? And this podcast isn't just about that. It's sort of like a giant version of mailbag because I'm answering a lot of questions or attempting to all at the same time. And as I mentioned before, all good stories, and this is one of Stephen King's precepts especially, well, besides the giant explosion precept, which is how he ends most of his stories, all good stories end where they begin. There's there's a circular sensation to things. Now, you don't have to feel trapped in this hero's journey stuff, but it is true that for all of us, our beginnings have something to do with where we're headed. That That is an inevitable concept of being human. Uh, maybe that makes us silly or maybe that makes us small as a species, but damn if it's not poetic. And in this case, I have exactly that going on. So for episode 70, I wanted to talk about where this is all coming from. And if I can blame one person, it would be a long dead genius named Sun Tzu. Now, Sun Tzu is one of the greatest thinkers in all of human history. Now, his actual existence and name are, of course, up for debate because it was almost 3,000 years ago that he did what he did as far as his contribution to human thinking. So record keeping is very dubious. His time overlap is somewhat uh, unclear with Confucius and with Lao Tzu, who are also masterful Chinese thinkers of those times. And so it's hard to tell if Sun Tzu was a real person or a construct assigned to someone who maybe became politically untouchable because of military events. But either way, all we have nowadays is to remember the author as Sun Tzu and the author of a work we all know of and we've all heard of called The Art of War. Now, at first glance, it may seem like, okay, Ingrid, you are shifting toward wargaming because you're cooked on D&D. And so what you're going to do is retcon yourself back to Sun Tzu in like your early college career to make it look like this isn't a, some kind of sudden uh, attention surplus issue. No! It may look that way on the Dateline special, at least in the intro, because, you know, they hold out on you until uh, like the last 10 minutes of the show. It may look that way. But A, I have absolutely zero intent on giving up <laughs> on D&D &D and, and dungeon crawling and RPGs. I have zero intent on trying to use wargaming as some kind of substitute or, or easy mode for playing D&D &D or preparing campaigns or playing with other people in story-driven gaming. That, that, that dichotomy is completely artificial. And the last one, and by the way, these are all straw men that I set up so I can shoot them down with my 22, is that 
I'm inventing this history. Mainframe 70 is about me returning to some history. So as many of you know, at this point, having endured 69 episodes of this podcast and God knows how many uh, terribly planned or unplanned videos on YouTube, that I, before a lot of these things happened, I got a degree in philosophy. And my early focus in philosophy before I moved into existentialism was Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching and Sun Tzu and the Art of War and maybe the idea that those two books were the same book or were written by the same person and uh, in some way shared this sort of a statement about how best to be in life and, and had different levels of specificity, one in spirituality, one in military operations, but written in the same spirit and the same format. Now, at the time, it felt revolutionary to, to me as a, as a gentleman in my early 20s. <laughs> when you're a gentleman in your early 20s, I can't speak for the nobler sex, but for gentlemen in their early 20s, everything feels like you are the seed of a new revolution. There's a lot of, there's a lot of headiness to life at that age. And I saw parallels between the work of Lao Tzu and Sun Tzu, and I wanted to make them one, and they were becoming one in my own life. I was studying martial arts aggressively at that time, and uh, aggressively with a capital A. I was like in in great condition and, and, you know, tons of energy, as as most people in their early 20s are. But the Tao Te Ching lost me a little bit. It, it, It was too abstract, uh, in some ways, in other ways, very simple, you know, um, to describe yourself as the, as the clay pot or as the uncarved block. I love that. Or to say that, you know, a journey of a thousand steps, you know, you, you can make that journey without le- ever leaving home. And, you know, a lot of the, the elements of the Tao Te Ching, which say that everything you need is within you and, and the order of the cosmos. You don't need to go seeking. I, I loved all that stuff. But there was something even more tangible in The Art of War by Sun Tzu, which, which basically was hyper-specific about actual medieval warfare, or what we would call medieval in the West, medieval warfare. Um, I guess you could call it the sort of Age of Kingdoms in China. This type of pre-firearm warfare. And the specificity into which Sun Tzu goes in these 13 chapters in The Art of War is something that I think a lot of people can benefit from reading. And I, if you're new to The Art of War, I, I would uh, suggest that you bypass all the commentary that it surrounds this masterpiece and cut to the source work first. As an armchair scholar of this work, I can tell you, you will find the most meaning in the work itself. Those who analyze geniuses such as myself are not geniuses themselves. Therefore, it's always best to go to the source material and feel its impact upon you. Form your own opinion. But for me, as a younger man, I was fascinated with it. I wrote papers about it. I got different translations of it. I got commentary books about it. I found it fascinating how specific the art of war was and yet how abstract it was. It was abstract in a way that it said war and conflict is life. 
Your effort to become what you want to be is a war. It's you versus the world as you desperately reach for what you want. And the art of war to me was a metaphorical work that said to me the path to take, not to waste energy, to ensure victory before acting, to know the lay of the land and the lay of your own mind and your own self and your own state before taking any action. Some of these precepts are so big, they they vastly transcend military operations per se. And they apply to a higher level of thinking. And this was fascinating to me some 26 years ago. (laughs) So in recent times, I've become fascinated with the idea that there is something brewing underneath an action-focused RPG game. Sometimes we get into RPG encounters that involve, let's say, five player characters and up to 40 enemies, maybe from multiple factions. Or maybe there are numerous allied characters who are with the players who are also fighting. And how many times, oh my gosh, you guys, how many times on how many forums, on how many websites have people asked about how to run big battles? That's the RPG world. Then meanwhile, over in Wargaming World, they have recently moved, not recently, it's, it was a few years back, but you know, I'm slow to catch up on things. You guys know that. I'm a late adopter. I've admitted that before. <laughs> Games Workshop, for reasons I have yet to fully understand, destroyed their entire universe in many ways and reinvented it in the Age of Sigmar. And a lot of people refer to this as the lore of the game, but it's sort of like the setup of where things are at. And it's uh, terribly shallow, to be brutally honest. It's basically blame everything on chaos. Pesky old chaos keeps on destroying everything. But luckily, Sigmar pulls his act together and he creates some new fighting forces and various other forces splinter off of this destruction and so on and so forth. But really, if you want to really blame something, it's chaos. I actually think that they're a little bit off. I think what they should have made their primary villain was greed. But I'm going to just let that sit there and not give any further comment on that. But (laughs) I really do think that's the villain in their universe, not chaos. Either way, delving into Sigmar gave me this experience, which is profoundly creative for me. It's an experience of not getting what I want. It's a very childish experience of going into something terribly excited and being terribly disappointed. Now, normally creativity comes from a place of joy. It comes from a place of origination, of creation, of of finger painting, of, of, of splattering and seeing. But there's another potent force of creation, which is being disappointed in a thing and seeing in yourself potential answers that are better. And, you know, this can be megalomania. This can be narcissism. This can be I could have done it better type thinking. And that's not always healthy. But sometimes when you feel that instinct, you have a chance of being right. And the only way to find out is to do a shitload of hard work. This happened to me. 
I am a newcomer in the so-called world of wargaming, which even the name for it is exclusionary to me. It is, it is push away to me. It's PVP. It's you don't belong here. It doesn't feel that good. But a lot of us have known and loved wargamers throughout our hobby lives. We may have not have been one, but we've always hung out with them. We've always joked about it. Or maybe we were one for a time and then we were spun out of it. Or maybe we're just now getting into it. And by the way, Sigmar and Games Workshop does not in any way represent the entire sphere of wargaming. Wargaming, sorry. In any way. There is a whole world of creative war games like Malifaux and, and other skirmish-based games that bring the focus inward and change the mechanics in new and fun ways rather than zillions of D6s and sort of your nose in a book looking up the next special rule. Now, clearly, you guys can sense my bias that I'm not a fan of how this sort of Games Workshop style of play feels. But yet, we're, we're, we're given this sort of, um, for lack of a kinder word, attitude. Like we are forced to adapt and purchase to even be part of this. And for me... As a person who is almost 50 years old, which is impossible to even comprehend, I am at this age all out of fucks to give. I really don't want to be told what to do or how to do it at this point. <laughs> I want to be welcomed with a smile and a beer and open arms and happy attitudes. And so, as a response... My first question when I was sort of peeking in, and you know, I also have to give credit to other creators on the internet and beyond who are talking about wargaming and talking about its interest. I love the way that Wylock plays, for example, and so I wanted to be a part of that uh, from Wylock's Armory. I thought that's that looks so fun and they, they feel so loose. And then when I look deeper, I don't see a lot of that relaxation. And and so as I experienced this feeling, I had to look within and ask, what what is it? What What is this thing that's drawing me? It's interesting. And it's part of my RPG world too. My campaign, my 5e campaign that I'm running right now, they are going into spell jamming and they are facing world war. So with all of these questions converging on me at the same time, I returned to the beginning of the story, as I mentioned. No explosion quite yet. We're not to the end of the book. But I returned to the beginning. And the beginning for me, part of it at least, is Sun Tzu and the art of war. One of the first masterpieces that I truly studied, took apart and put back together and internalized and externalized, applied to the world, applied to myself and read multiple translations and sought to understand in a deep way. And so I returned. And each of the 13 chapters in this masterwork, I would read these 13 chapters and Shield Wall of Runehammer, my brothers and sisters, my supporters who pay my rent, I'm here to admit to you that no more than three of these 13 chapters of the essence of war, the essence of strategy, of knowing yourself and knowing your enemy were covered by what I was being presented 
as wargaming. They were barely scratching the surface and only the most superficial part, which is the Grand Clash. The Grand Clash is the ultimate failure for the strategist. Now, this podcast is not about an analysis of the art of war. I leave that to each one of you. Go find a good translation. One of my favorites is The Pocket Art of War by Shambhala Press. There are so many great translations, though, and all very interesting, especially in their differences. But go find it and think what you think of it for yourself. I'm not here to tell you what a masterwork could mean. That is so beyond my pay grade. (laughs) But for me and for my emotional motivation, for my creative motivation, I find so much strength in that work. And then as I craved to dabble in wargaming, I returned to Sun Tzu and I felt an inevitable need to do what I'm doing right now. So part of it is crafting. You guys know that I I have been moving across the country. I left everything that I created a couple of years ago behind. I came here with nothing, no brushes, no paints, no glue for God's sake. But I've been working back into it. And so when I saw this vision, I knew I had to start crafting again. And when you have that feeling, you know you're, you're in the water slide of creativity. If you need to make what you're imagining, that feeling is fantastic. And we all know it's not always there. Sometimes you don't feel that feeling, but I was feeling it. And then I was feeling the need to go back and read Sun Tzu. And then I was reading that and I was feeling, I need to go read Lao Tzu again. I need to read the Tao Te Ching again to understand some of the terminology being thrown around in the art of war. And I was back in it. I was back in the, the, the mixer The mixer was softening the butter and the flour and the sugar. And all three of those ingredients were me. They were my my desire to create games, but my desire to be fascinated by games. All happening at the same time and going back to the beginning. So to catch you up to the present here in Mainframe 70, now I'm at the current challenge. All this understanding is all fascinating and fun and exciting, but... To be able to concentrate it and bake it and deliver it (laughs) in a way that brings others into the excitement space that I'm in. That's the current challenge. I've never exposed a draft of mine so early as I have now to my editors and and my peers. So curious am I about my success in trying to capture this old genius and clean up this sort of prickly wargaming topic that a lot of us sort of cringe away from. I don't want any more cringing. Wargaming is not separate from role-playing. The separations are completely artificial and probably invented by someone who was just trying to make money. Small focused role playing games at times become war games. The very first version of D&D for crying out loud says medieval war games on it. There is an ebb and a flow from large to small that is meaningful and deserves to be thought about and solved again and again. And Warmaker is my current attempt 
to solve this upper end. It's kind of like chunks in RPG, uh, ICRPG, sorry, but taken higher, taken further, answering bigger questions in different ways. And I guess the reason I wanted to do this mainframe was partially to tell you guys about my fascination with the art of war when I was a young man and how it stayed with me throughout life and how it served as a wellspring of ideas and of sort of creative fact-checking when it comes to wargaming and strategy. But also to announce my intent with perfect clarity. I don't mean to move into some other brandable space. I don't mean to tap new revenue streams. What I mean to do is satisfy some kind of unquenched thirst in these sort of action-packed battles. And also to open the war chest to everyone. To invite everyone in. Say, your Sharpie matters. Your papercraft matters. Your M&M tokens matter. That is why you're seeing Warmaker posts on Patreon this month. You guys, I'm going to get out of here. That's all I have. I have laid (laughs) a lot of myself bare here in this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed going on the journey with me back to Sunsa and the Art of War. And I hope, too, that you do a little bit of research on your own. There's a great audio book that you can get. Um, for the art of war and uh, zillions of Wikipedias and other interpretations and articles and thought. The reason there is so much thought around this work is that it's brilliant and detailed and specific and direct and short. And it also has an undertone of being not just about war and conflict, but about us as individuals. And as we face the final piece here of 2020, the gnarliest year I can remember. I mean, 2020 has made 9-11 look relatively easy. 2020 has been quite challenging, quite challenging. And not just because of superficial reasons, because of practical reasons in our communities, in our towns, in our families, people losing jobs, people struggling, leaning on each other. Is it the end? Is it bad? No, but it's been tough. And in times like that, I think it's important to come back to roots that remind you why you set out on the journey in the first place. To rejuvenate yourself, recharge your creative and your your courage batteries in a way. Remind yourself of that crazy fun feeling of youthful exuberance. And from there, good things will come. You guys, take care of one another. It is our primary job right now. Keep it real. Never steal. Don't look for a deal. Just reach out. And the person next to you, that's your shield. My name is Ingrid Burnall. I'm a painter from the village of Barhome. I'm going to get back to work over here, and I will see you guys on the internet. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks, as always, for your ongoing support. You're keeping me fed. That's why I'm not dead. Till next time, I'm out.
to know you are a magic boy. <laughs>